Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, and we've got episode 47 today. Um, 47, 48, 49, 50, something like that. We are, uh, we're getting towards 50. Um, we've got Jeff White on today, and really excited to have Jeff on. He's part of the National Junior College Athletic Association. I will let him uh, introduce himself and his title as it, it, uh, it can be a mouthful, um, but... <laughs> He, he does a lot of uh, really neat things with the NJC. Uh, I was fortunate enough to actually meet Jeff a little while back. Um, speaking at the NJCAA uh, First uh, Leadership Institute, um, giving, a, giving a speech on, on my book, and, and Jeff was giving us uh, a talk on the legal side of things within uh, athletic departments and um Really enjoyed the conversation, Jeff. Always good to reconnect, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jake. I was uh, really looking forward to being the 50th, uh, episode 50, <laughs> but uh, I, I'll settle for whatever I can get. <laughs> there you go. So, so give us, uh, yeah, give us a little kind of rundown on, on what you do right now, and then also how you got there. Um, you're in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, have you moved? Did you grow up there? What's What's your story? Well, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone thinks that, uh, but I uh, I joined the National Junior College Athletic Association's national office in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, as the chief legal diversity and compliance officer uh, on actually February nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. Um, and it, you know, coincidentally, um, I, I met uh, Dr. Chris Parker, the president and CEO uh, of the NJCAA, uh, at a conference uh, at the beginning of 2018 uh, in Dallas at the AACC conference. Chris was giving a, a talk on uh, the new leadership and direction uh, and his vision. And, you know, I, I, I heard Chris speak and was just really excited about the direction it sounded like he was going to take the organization in. And so uh, just went up to him afterwards, introduced myself, struck up a small conversation, handed him one of my business cards, as I think many of us have done uh, hundreds of times, and just said, hey, you know, if there's ever anything I can do to help out, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in, in helping the organization in any way I can. Uh, at that time, I was actually a vice president of, if you think my title's long now, I was <laughs> the, the vice president of human resources and student experience uh, at Hawking College. But that the title, while the title doesn't sound long, I was responsible for human resources, financial aid, student life, uh, student experience, uh, the dining halls, uh, catering. Uh, director, uh, I am a licensed attorney, and so I assisted, uh, you know, with with all things legal, so to speak. Um, and there were probably a few other things there that I left out. Uh, but basically, just said to Chris, you know, if there's ever anything I can do to to help out, let me know. And uh, ran into him again a few months later at uh, the Region Twelve. Uh, conference uh, in uh, Northeast Ohio, and we, we, we talked again. Uh, shortly thereafter, Chris and I discussed coming on and sort of consulting basis and just helping out uh, on a project, uh, project by project need, and 
helped out with a few things. Uh, Chris invited me down uh, to Charlotte uh, to meet with a, a client they were or a vendor they were negotiating with. And at that time, talked about making uh, making the move. Uh, and, you know, I, I relocated in uh, February. Uh, I was born and raised uh, and well, born in Lima, Ohio. Uh, and I'm told I have no recollection of this celebrated my first birthday in Columbus, Ohio, and lived there pretty much ever since. Um, went to uh, Ohio State uh, for my undergrad, uh, received a, a BA in history, uh, had full plans and designs on going straight to law school from there. But then, uh, you know, uh, adult life and real life hit and uh, ended up starting a family uh, at a younger age. And uh, Went, went straight to work. Um, interestingly, um, my, my first, using air quotes here again, real job uh, was with uh, an organization called Dial America Marketing. And the plan, honestly, was just to work there part-time while uh, I looked for uh, a full-time job. Um, and one thing led to another. I ended up staying there four and a half years and I'm really uh, thankful for that. I, I realized the, the terrible stigma marketing organizations have. And, I, and I'll be the first to admit that uh, I detest robocalls just as much as the, <laughs> as the next person. Uh, but, you know, what I'm so thankful for there is they actually had a management development program um, that they uh, required. Uh, all new managers and supervisors to go through. And again, I, at the time, I just saw it as uh, needless busy work and was really kind of frustrated and irritated by it. But what, what I realized in hindsight is it really um, helped prepare me for a career and leadership, uh, you know, with a strong focus on performance management, critical conversations, uh, setting expectations for your employee would be uh, really rewarding. And what I came to realize is much of the work that I was doing was also really uh, rooted in human resources. I was doing a lot of performance management, um, a lot of training, a lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring, uh, a lot of recruiting, uh, interviewing, hiring. I mean, really the, the whole nine yards. And Another aspect of that position that I, I think I really appreciated was everything was truncated at the time frame. And so because the turnover was so high there, we were pretty consistently hiring people, terminating people, training people. I mean, literally every week we had a training class. And so just as it is with sports or with anything, it takes repetition, right, to, to really hone in on a skill. And so... I was very fortunate that uh, I had the opportunity to get a lot of practice uh, conducting interviews, a lot of practice going to job fairs and talking to candidates, a lot of practice uh, performed, uh, facilitating performance management conversations, uh, going through performance reviews. I mean, in the course of four and a half years there, I'd venture to guess I probably got more like 10 years of experience in terms of doing that kind of work. Um, while I was there, uh, I, uh, one of my, uh, 
one of my former employees actually went to work for a search engine optimization company uh, that was uh, a startup in central Ohio, and it was called Cornerstone Marketing Services. Uh, at the time, uh, the Yahoo brand, this was in 2000, 2006, 2007, the Yahoo brand uh, was one of, uh, you could only advertise through Yahoo through authorized resellers. And so um, I connected with a group of gentlemen that had one of those exclusive contracts and uh, was named the director of operations for this startup organization. And uh, the goal there was really to build up the business uh, and I think ultimately to sell it uh, because that was really the idea is you, you, you build up this, this big book of clients uh, and then get swallowed up by these larger organizations. But uh, unfortunately, uh, shortly after I started there, well, it was probably about seven or eight months, um, Yahoo decided to go self-serve. And so uh, individuals no longer had to go through one of these authorized resellers to purchase advertising space. So in essentially what we were selling, I mean, now, you know, 2007 doesn't seem like that long ago, but uh, the internet wasn't anything like it is now. Uh, now, when you see all of the ads on when you, any kind of Google search or Yahoo search, you routinely see ads placed at the top and it's now marked ad, but uh, it used to be to get those priority spots, you had to, to go through one of these authorized resellers. But uh, that that market dissipated, and uh, as such, so did uh, so did my opportunities there. And I, I failed to mention that between uh, between th that time, uh, while at Dallas American Marketing, uh, I completed my Master's of Business Administration at a small private school in Central Ohio uh, called Ohio Dominican University. And so, uh, really, once that happened, um, I really started looking for. Uh, more leadership type opportunities. And, and frankly, uh, I, I really wanted to, tra to transition out of sales. Um, I, you know, I, anyone that has sales experience knows all too well that uh, the key to, to sales is understanding that whatever the sales period is, it starts over uh, repeatedly, right? And so it doesn't matter how well you did the previous period, however long that measurement period is, you start from scratch. Uh, I'm uh, uh, revenue uh, on, on previous performance. And so uh, I was just really interested in kind of moving away from that, and broadening my, my span of uh, experience. And so I actually joined uh, the Mount Carmel Health System as uh, an operations manager uh, in about 2007. And um, it was a, a really an altogether new experience for me. Uh, I was working in the outreach and uh, that was my first exposure to healthcare uh, and to federally qualified health centers or FQHCs, which are nonprofit organizations, which essentially offer healthcare uh, to those uh, and healthcare services uh, to those that can't otherwise afford it. And so, you know, it was all based on a sliding scale so from a mission standpoint, it was, it was incredibly rewarding because we were, our, we were focused on serving uh, the underserved, the underinsured, uh, or the uninsured. And uh, it was uh, a really interesting place to work. 
Um, we had an incredibly diverse group of patients. And so uh, it really also, I think, broadened uh, my horizons as it relates to dealing with a variety of different kinds of people from all different parts of the world and different kinds of experiences. And, and what it also really helped uh, open my eyes to is that if you, if you think talking to someone about their magazine, whatever customer service type issue uh, comes up is difficult or sensitive try talking to people about um, their own personal medical issues or their family members. And it really gives you, uh, it gave me a really good perspective uh, and appreciation for uh, interacting with people in a really uh, sensible and sensitive way and taking into account that, um, you know, you're dealing with people sometimes on, on their worst day, getting their worst news and understanding that, yes, they're going to be upset. Yes, they're going to be frustrated, but really trying to, to take that in stride. Um, and then, you know, at that time in 2007, I, the itch to go to law school really never went away. And so um, I uh, started going to, to law school uh, in 2007 at night, um, while working full-time as an operations manager, um, at Mount Carmel, which was a, I was on call 24, seven, 365, because I was responsible for the outreach department locations. And so, I mean, literally went from designing new office spaces to unclogging toilets, if that's what was necessary. There was no job that was really too big or too small. I mean, I would go literally one day presenting to the board, uh, next day carrying out all the garbage because, you know, and then when you're working in an outreach department and grant funded positions, you just do what has to be done. And so I knew when I accepted that position uh, that it was grant funded. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, in about 2010, uh, we lost one of the primary grants, uh, and unfortunately, the grant that fully funded my position. Uh, but it really worked out well, uh, to be honest, because at that time, uh, I was starting to focus on a legal career. Uh, I recognized that I had developed sort of a niche for compliance and human resources, and so I was really interested in transitioning in that direction. Um, and ultimately uh, wound up at the Bureau of Workers' Compensation, uh, which is a state uh, agency in Ohio, uh, and worked uh, in the Employer Services Division and primarily just handled a, a variety of workers' compensation issues, uh, whether it was from the employer or the employee perspective. And so uh, interacted with people in a variety of ways via telephone, mail, uh, fax. People still used fax a lot, uh, even as uh, far back as 2010 and 2011. Uh, you know, just a lot of different uh, workers' compensation type issues. And for me, it was perfect because at that time, uh, I, my thought was uh, I had, again, developed this niche and was really focused on employment law and labor law and uh, believed that that was uh, that made sense for me uh, after I'd say I think it was in May of 2011 it was time to 
prepare for the bar exam. And I realized that my, I wasn't going to stay at the Bureau of Workers' Compensation that uh, I, at that point, had fully planned on going into practice for myself. And so I gave my notice and decided it's time to just focus on preparing for the bar exam. And something kind of funny happened along the way. Um, in law school, I went to Capital University Law School in Central Ohio, another small private uh, school in Central Ohio. And there we were required to take a bar success course. And I'll, I'll never forget the instructor made very clear, uh, her name was uh, Professor Twist, um, made very clear, when you hit a wall when you're studying, get up and do something active. So walk around and read, something like that. It kind of recharges the muscles and the brain and it'll keep you going. So uh, here I am uh, one night uh, into early morning studying and, and, and those words rang through my ears and I thought to myself, you know, if I read my flashcards into this voice recorder with my earbuds, I could go over to the driving range and hit golf balls <laughs> and listen to myself uh, and the flashcards. And so I started doing that. I went over to the golf course and I would be there for hours just listening to myself with these uh, flashcards that I had created. And then I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I could probably play a round of golf or two. So I was going to say, I loaded up my backpack with uh, flashcards and outlines, and I would hit a shot. I would, you know, I would tee off on one, drive to my ball, read a page of the outline, drive to my next shot, read, hit it, read a page of my outline. You know, before you know it, I was playing 36 holes a day, uh, doing all this studying. <laughs> And one of the, the common jokes in law school is that it's the, the palest you'll ever be that summer because most people spend it indoors and in the library. And I'll, I'll never forget the first day of the bar exam, uh, Professor Twist saw me at break and said, wow, Jeff, you're, you're really tan. And I said, yeah, I took your advice. She said, oh, yeah, what's that? I said, well, I studied on the golf course. And she looked at me and said, well, that's not really what I said. I don't remember ever saying anything like that. I said, well, you know, you really encouraged us to – get out and do something active. And uh, I decided to do it on the golf course. And so her <laughs> response was kind of a flippant, well, good luck with that. Uh, but I was uh, sure to call her uh, right after, um, right after I got the results, which of course were, uh, thankfully, uh, I passed. And so um, I took a contract position, interestingly, uh, while waiting for the bar. Uh, so I took the bar exam in July. The results don't come out until October. And uh, I took a contract position and, uh, at, at Eddie Bauer. And Eddie Bauer has a, a longstanding relationship with the central Ohio area. There was a, lots of retail stores, a distribution center, and administrative offices. And so I just went there uh, on a simple short-term contract until I passed, uh, got word I passed the bar exam and planned to start a practice then. Uh, well, one thing led to another, and I just I really enjoyed all the people that I worked with and, and really, uh, you know, fell in love with the brand, to be honest. I mean, I was always an Eddie Bauer shopper, but really came to appreciate everything that the brand represented and stood for. And so uh, they offered me a permanent position uh, right as I got the bar exam results uh, heading up their human resources operation. And so um, I stayed there for a few years. Uh, I always joke with people, uh, if you've ever worked uh, retail during the peak holiday season, 
Uh, I talked earlier about, you know, truncated experience uh, from, uh, you know, high volume type of work. Working uh, in retail is like uh, working in dog years. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty intense, the amount of work that goes into that. So uh, coincidentally, uh, I had a few different people contact me about a position with the Supreme Court of Ohio as their director of human resources. Um on a whim, uh, I, I applied for the position. Uh, I, I recall very vividly that uh, I clicked submit on my materials at 1129 uh, Eastern Stand- PM Eastern Standard Time uh, because the, the posting closed at midnight. And I so enjoyed what I was doing that I wasn't sure that it was something that I really wanted to leave. But I thought, you know, uh, it, it was worth throwing your hat in the ring. You never know. And so... Um, I recall going into the interview and uh, the administrative director at the time, uh, Steve Holland, looked at me and, and, you know, he said, you know, why are you interested in this position? And I was very fortunate and, and I learned a lot from this experience that I wasn't desperate for the job. Uh, I was very happy where I was at. So I was completely relaxed and calm in the interview. And despite the fact that I had facilitated at that time thousands of interviews, it's always different when you're on the other side of the table, especially if it's a job that you really, really want. But um, I really was just very comfortable because I was interested in the position, but if it wasn't offered and it didn't happen, I was okay with that. And, um, And that was essentially my response that, you know, I'm really happy where I'm at. I'm suitably engaged, I'm suitably challenged suitably compensated but the flip side to that is i'm a human resources professional i'm a licensed attorney and uh you know in the state of ohio uh, the supreme court of ohio as the director of operations was a was pretty much a destination type job for the kind of career that i had uh put together at that point and so uh, he looked when he said that one and, and when i was responding i said if i recall i responded around 11 30 because i wasn't sure that i was going to even apply for it and sure enough, he looked at uh, my materials, which were time stamped, and it said 1129. And so one thing led to another. Um, I spent about three years at the Supreme Court of Ohio in that capacity as the director of human resources. Um, that was uh, a really interesting environment, uh, dealing, working with publicly elected officials uh, throughout the state. It, it just really created a, uh, an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with uh, labor laws, uh, they generally apply to everyone, as do workplace policies. Uh, if you're a C-suite employee or what have you. Uh, but when you start working with judges, uh, there literally were state and federal labor laws that didn't apply to them. And so having to have those conversations with some of those individuals uh, and help them understand that while the law may not apply to you, it really is a best practice to adhere to some of these things. And so, again, really, I believe, helped to hone my, my skill or difficult conversations uh, with, with individuals uh, that don't necessarily agree with your perspective or your viewpoint. Um, interestingly, uh, I, one of my colleagues there, uh, was leaving the court. Uh, her name's uh, Jacqueline Hagerot, and she was joining Hawking College as a vice president uh, and part of the president's cabinet. And when I met with her to conduct her interview, as I like to do, 
you know, at the end of the conversation, we were just sort of chatting and I, and I just said to her again, sort of flippantly, you know, if an opportunity ever presents itself, I've always been very interested in higher education. I, I, I find it to be a really energizing and engaging environment. I like to be around people that are interested in growing and different perspectives. So if there's ever an opportunity, you know, uh, keep me in mind. And uh, wouldn't you know it, uh, about four months later, she called me and uh, had uh, an opportunity available in there uh, to, to oversee human resources. But I'll be honest with you, uh, and I've never told uh, – maybe I have told the president there, Dr. Betty Young, um, I had no intention of taking that job. More than anything else, I felt like as a courtesy, because I you know, built a relationship with Jackie, I should go down and meet with the team. So, you know, because it was about a 60, it was 60 miles from my home. Now, it was uh, in a direction that had no traffic. So I, I day, the Nelsonville, Hocking Hills area is a beautiful part of the, the state. I can go down there and spend a day down there. So I went, had the conversation, and, uh, of course, called my wife afterwards and said, you know, I, I think I am actually very interested in, in this position. And, the, and really, for me, the clincher was uh, receiving a call from the president and basically saying, look, just come down here for two or three years, and uh, I'll help you get where you want to go. Um, I'll do in your career uh and i'll be honest with you that's i thought that was pretty awesome um there's not a lot of leaders that i've worked with that have basically said come down here uh let me groom you let me show you what i know let me have you take advantage of my connections and let's see where this can take you so as i mentioned at the beginning i spent about three years at hawking and then uh met chris park dr chris parker and uh the rest is history that's awesome. I mean, just listening to your story, uh, we've had, like I said, I think we're on episode 48. Um, we've had 47 people come on and probably talk about where they got their start in sports and, you know, from this, you know, organization to this team, to this office, et cetera, and on the ranks and, you know, what they've learned along their journey through sports. Um, but it's fascinating to see, that I don't know, let's just call it step six, seven, eight, nine, ten, something along that way of your journey that you are now in sports, but yet all the things that you had learned up to this point were through various industries. I mean, you you know, we were in the marketing to the to the healthcare side, to the law side, to the court system. I mean, you go on and on into higher education, et cetera. I mean it's pretty amazing um to 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 be able to get into where you're at, but also having achieved all the things that you did along the way outside of sports. Uh, I met a guy when I was actually working at Purdue. There was a guy that's at the Pacers and I had ran into him. We were start, we struck up a conversation and I think he's one of their senior VPs that oversees community engagement, uh, some sponsorship involvement, et cetera. And I said, how'd you get, how'd you get into sports? He goes, honestly, this is my first job in sports. And the guy, had worked in um, the Eli Lilly organization for, I think, 17 years. And he worked some other places outside of sports. And he goes, I just knew the right people and the position kind of fell in my lap. And so he used his experiences and skill sets along the way to, not that he had the intentions necessarily of going to work for the Pacers or not that you necessarily had the intentions of 
trying to get to the NJCAA to go, you know, work in sports, but um, it kind of just, you know, fell in, in your lap. And I don't like to use the word luck. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity, but um, you know, you get a little lucky along the way. Oh yeah. And to your, and to your point, you know, about the president saying, you know, Hey, come here for two to three years and I'll go, I'll get you somewhere else. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty rare. You know, when people want to, especially at that point in your career, right. You know, you've gone through a lot of high level leadership positions. You know, I would think most people probably want you to stay for a little while. Yeah. And you know, it's really funny. Um, When I interviewed uh, with uh, the president, um, I, I was talking to her about sort of my, my destination or my goal. And it was ultimately to end up in a warm weather climate where I can golf year round. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I can, I can teach, I can practice law, working in higher education. And so again, to her credit, she just into that upon a, a really interesting uh, topic there I, for me, I believe one of the biggest strengths and attributes that I bring to the table, uh, not only is my uh, cultural or ethnic diversity, but more specifically, my professional diversity. As you said, I've worked in healthcare, retail, uh, government, law, sales, marketing, search engine, higher education, for-profit, not-for-profit. I mean, I've, there's not a whole lot, um, that I haven't seen and, uh, the fast, I don't, the fast food, fast food industry, maybe. No, like that. <laughs> I, I, I was very lucky. To, <laughs> I will say the closest I got to that when I was in high school, uh, I did work in a concession stand, uh, at some softball fields. That's, I think the closest I got to it, but I'll tell you <laughs> that, that was close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can imagine, um, you know, so you, you talked about uh, ultimately the diversity of your experience. And, and I think um, in your lengthy title now, uh, we get the diversity, inclusion, et cetera. Um, a lot of people think that is, you know, race, um, culture, ethnicity, where you're from, et cetera. But I love the point that you made about diversity of experience. Um, That's actually something that, you know, a a lot of organizations shoot for in building their team and and not having, um, you know, 15 people on a team all coming from the same background, the same experiences, the same school, et cetera. It's, you know, how do you find if you're working in baseball, how do you find you know, people that are, that have already worked for, you know, an NFL team or NBA or, uh, or a consulting company, uh, you know, like a, a Deloitte or a, a PCG, et cetera, right. Or an accounting firm, something like that, where you can take best practices from other industries, because quite frankly, sports to some extent is a little behind the times, um, a little behind the times. I know, uh, Dr. Parker and I had talked about it, you know, where the NJCAA was for a little bit and, and uh, trying to really um, put forth a lot of initiatives to, to change things around and, and change is right. Good. Uh, everyone doesn't necessarily like change for better, for worse, but um, change and trying to, you know, bring along the right people to make that change happen. 
Exactly. And so um, that's not only the diversity of experience, but it's the diversity of thought uh, that is, that's so critical. And so I've been very fortunate in, in, um, in my path that I have, um, I've come across leaders that really value the opinion of others. Now, I, I will be the first to admit that I've also worked for some individuals whose primary focus uh, was just surrounding themselves with people that will say yes to everything they think uh, and agree with everything uh, they come up with and never push back or challenge anything. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That That is the challenge, uh, being able to use that cliched uh, expression, think outside of the box, right? I mean, that's something mm -hmm. that I think people always strive to do, but not a lot of people actually practice that on a regular basis. And so coming up with um, creative ways, and for me, uh, I often find myself falling back on my human resources experience uh, and, and basic recruiting. I mean, recruiting is recruiting, whether it be for collegiate sports, um, even though it's really not supposed to happen on the high school level, high school sports, <laughs> or prep schools, uh, or, you know, recruiting uh, in any capacity. I mean, you're, you're trying to identify and source the most talented candidates, uh, but ultimately it's up to the, the individual managers, the hiring managers, to make the determination as to the right kind of people to hire. So one of the things that I've always focused on as a leader within an organization is to really try to instill upon the rest of the leadership team in the organization the very principles that we've been talking about, and that's valuing different ideas, not feeling threatened by people that come in and challenge the status quo, because, um, you know, most of us have experienced, whether it's someone that you worked for or someone that you worked with, that manager that was a high, afraid to hire talented individuals because they would outshine them, or afraid to uh, really allow a manager to, to grow uh, or excuse me, allow an employee to really grow and shine in their role because they would feel like it would show them up. I've always been uh, the uh, completely opposite of that. I, you know, I, I believe firmly in hiring talented individuals, motivated individuals, giving them the proper tools uh, they need to be successful in whatever position you've hired them for, cutting, uh, setting clear parameters uh, for and expectations and helping define what success looks like and then cut them loose um, and just let them do their thing. Yeah, uh, that, that to me is, uh, I, I think from personal experience, that's, that's how I work best. Uh, I found in my experience with a lot of talented young professionals that I've worked with and seen grow uh, to do some really exciting things uh, that's really the same approach that we've taken, and it's refreshing because that's something that, uh, that Dr. Parker's doing now at the NJCAA. I mean, we just we just uh, hired uh, four new staff, uh, six new staff, I believe, uh, in this calendar year. It's the largest the organization has ever been, and he's really focusing on uh, taking the organization uh, to the next level, and so you know, for me, my focus is on bringing a level, and I don't mean to suggest these things didn't exist prior to my arrival, but 
for me, it's it's about bringing a level of professionalism and sophistication uh, of processes to the organization so that we can really start uh, to add value to the membership uh, for, our, for our members so that uh, they, they really start to see uh, the best and what uh, the association can offer. Because ultimately, it's about creating experiences for students and student athletes. And so the better we do at the national office of uh, streamlining our processes, creating efficiencies, uh, and the more time we allow uh, the administrators at the college level to focus on the student athletes and not all the, the busy work that they may need to complete for the national office, in my mind, the better off the student athletes are going to be because the focus is then going to be strictly on the student athlete. Absolutely. And, and nowadays with, with uh, a lot of division one colleges, you know, they have the student athlete development, um, the student athlete academic services. I mean, there's, there's people up on people that are focusing on that solely as their only job. Um, but as you were telling your story, I, I can only imagine that your middle name might be Jack like jack of all trades uh and and uh you know i'm sitting here thinking back to a couple of conversations i had when uh, i was at the conference at the you know at the leadership institute back in april and a lot of uh you know the institutions that you guys have the membership that you guys have you know they do it a lot of it you know with very 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 little help um maybe touch on kind of what that environment's like, what, you know, what the landscape is like and, and really how impressive the institutions you guys have in terms of what they're able to do. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jake. And, and I'll be honest with you. I think the time that I spent at hiking college has given me really good context and understanding for what uh, the administrators at our members at our member schools uh, are facing and dealing with. And as you just alluded to, um, the community college way, uh, at least in, in my experience and from the, the, the relationships that I've built across the country uh, with administrators is, is to, to do as much as you possibly can with as little as you possibly need. Uh, and so you often find athletic directors that wear multiple hats. Uh, whether it be coaching, teaching, uh, some other administrative role, or all of the above. Uh, and what I've found is that traditionally, um, it's all of the above. And again, I, I, I often refer back to my human resources experience, but it's very similar in that way. And that human resources uh, generally uh, is not a revenue generating uh, segment of, of business, of, of really any business. And so you try to find different ways to add value to the organization. And you have to do that with as few resources as possible because it's hard to get, you know, leadership to necessarily commit resources to a part of the organization that's not generating revenue. Now, that's not as big a deal uh, theoretically in the not-for-profit sector, but nonetheless, uh, you know, the bottom line still makes a difference. And so, you know, on the community college level, uh, got, and to me, that's really why uh, I, I, was, I was focusing on creating uh, efficiencies and streamlining our processes 
and making uh, accessing our services as simple as possible and, and, and really increasing the service that we because these administrators are doing so many different things on a given day. And what we don't want to see, and I don't mean to suggest this happens, but obviously what nobody wants to see is that student athletes might be missing out on opportunities because the administrators are so busy doing all of these other tasks. Mm -hmm. And so creating opportunities uh, to minimize the necessary interactions or steps for the eligibility uh, process, for example, uh, or to submit information by the, you know, the, the letter of intent process or whatever the, the, the specific process may be, making that as simple a process as possible. Because uh, my experience, as I said, I mean, on, a, on any given day when I was working at Hawking Community College, uh, I would go from a financial aid meeting to a dining hall meeting to an athletics meeting to a human resources meeting to a president's cabinet meeting. Uh, and then finish my day uh, talking about catering. Uh, and, you know, that would be one. Inner, how, do you, inner... how, do you, how do you wrap your head around what you just did in, you know, 12 hours? You know, it, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's funny, Jake. I, I really don't know any other way. Um, most of the jobs I've had uh, since, uh, you know, my early 20s have been the kinds of jobs that, for better or worse, you took home with you. And what's the old saying? Uh, idle hands are the devil's playground or something along those lines. I don't even remember the saying anymore. I don't know if people still <laughs> use that. But uh, I, I am just one of those people, uh, you know, I, it's maybe it's the, something my parents instilled in me that punch the clock mentality. When you go to work, it's time to work. Um, and so I'm also, I, I like to think a pretty gregarious and outgoing guy. I like to have fun. I like to joke around, but I, I think you can balance the two. And I've been very fortunate that, uh, and you know, again, another one of those, man, I'm throwing lots of cliches, those cliches or old sayings, uh, you never work a day in your life if you love what you do. Um, right. that's been true for me. I mean, I've been fortunate. I've been surrounded by people that I really enjoy people that I learn from, people that challenge me, um, that present me with opportunities to learn and grow. Uh, I mean, you know, that's for me, and maybe it's part of being a lifelong learner and part of the reason why my journey to the NJCAA was so exciting uh, was because it was just, again, another opportunity to kind of go into another area where certainly uh, wasn't, um, it was just something I hadn't done before. And mm -hmm. I think the, the biggest difference uh, here for me is it's the, the scope. It's national uh, in its scope. I mean, the other organizations I worked with were regional. This one's national. And so uh, I'm just really excited. Uh, you, know, you know, I met you at a conference, uh, meeting, uh, engaging uh, individuals that are just, you know, looking to accomplish great things is something that, uh, that keeps me really excited. And the, the one last thing I'll say about community college administrators and specifically athletic directors, and Jake, I know you, you've been around athletics and collegiate athletics, so you, mm -hmm. you've seen this firsthand. The passion that these professionals have for what they do. There's not a lot of places I've worked where you have people that have worked for 30 or 35 years in an athletic department. You know what I mean? These are people that have poured their lives into this job and what's really cool i think about 
the community college uh, setting is the impact you can have in a community. Uh, it's just different than you can have in other kinds of organizations because it is truly about and serving uh, a segment of the population, uh, especially at those rural schools uh, that just really don't have any other options. And mm -hmm. I just, I have such respect for the individuals that have poured their, their hearts uh, into this work and take such great pride uh, in what they do. It's, it's really rewarding to be a part of that. Well, I, I think, you know, to your point, I think we can get caught up in a, a lot of the big city, big market, you know, a big story on social media. And, and, but we forget that, you know, to your point, a lot of these things are happening all the time around us across the country. And, and um, quite frankly, sometimes there just isn't a platform to talk about it, right? Or to share about it. Um, but, you know, eventually, eventually we'll get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the passion, I think, uh, behind anyone who works in sports has to be there. I know we've talked about that on, on other episodes, um, but it's interesting that you point out, you know, that, that other places you've worked and uh, as we pointed out earlier, the diversity of places. So it's, you know, across a lot of different industries that the passion maybe isn't always there um, compared to sports, right? It's much more of a punch the clock mentality, but really to cap off kind of your point uh, in the, in this last little, little segment, uh, there's no, uh, what's this, the, the saying is uh, the worst day on the golf course is better than any day in the office, right? Is that, is that ultimately what you were trying to say? I think so. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I, as, as bad as I've played many, many, many times, uh, it's <laughs> never been nearly as bad as, uh, as being in the office, despite the fact that I love what I do. There you go. Well, uh, the, I guess the most important question of this episode is, is what is your handicap? Uh, I don't know if I'm prepared to share that here, Jake. Uh, that might affect. <laughs> that might scratch, affect. Scratch golfer, I knew it. Scratch golfer. <laughs> well, Jake, if that'll get me out on the course with you, that's what it is. Fantastic. Well, we we uh, I, I definitely look forward to that soon in in the next uh, little bit as we're both on the East Coast. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can make that happen soon. But you know, really appreciate the time uh, on life in the front office. Really enjoyed the uh, the insights, and um, hopefully people can, you know, take uh, a lot from your story. And I guess I would say working backwards to get into sports without really even the uh, intention of getting into sports, and and um, really just taking every experience for what it is, and and what skill sets and, and experiences it has to offer. Now, the one last thing I will say is, you said you wanted to get to a warmer climate. So Charlotte compared to Ohio, I spent two years in Ohio uh, in grad school and actually right down the road from Hawking College at Ohio University, um, it wasn't referred to as the Ohio University. It was, <laughs> it was, it was always uh, Ohio University and then the Ohio State. So I guess we can uh, agree to agree or agree to disagree on that, but um uh, you know, being being in Charlotte, uh, living in a big city out there versus Columbus, um, another big city. But what's uh, what's it like living in Charlotte? What's the uh, what's the experience been like there? 
It's been great so far. Charlotte, uh, it's, uh, it's really, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I think people often underestimate just how big Columbus is. Um, in, in most uh, census uh, data results, Columbus is generally around the 14th or 15th largest city in the United States. People never think of it in those terms. So Charlotte's about the same size, uh, but I will say this. In Charlotte is about the worst I've ever seen. Um, and so I made very sure to, uh, to, to move. My commute doesn't have to deal uh, really with the traffic, but the weather's great. The, the people are great. Uh, Southern hospitality is very real. Uh, everyone's been very gracious uh, to myself and to my family. And so we're really excited to be here. Well, I don't know if you can get worse traffic than LA. Uh, that's hard to do. Um, or even Atlanta I've heard is really bad. Jeff, really appreciate uh, your time today. Again, I'm like, front office um we definitely will welcome you back on again in the near future to uh talk about some of the updates and things you guys got going on at the njcaa would love to have dr parker on and some of your other uh uh, to share their wisdom and insights uh uh, about their journeys but um any uh last words for our uh, listeners uh, well, Jake, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to join the podcast uh, and certainly look forward to the opportunity to come back uh, and, and sometime in the future. I can tell you we've got a lot of exciting initiatives, a lot of uh, potential partnerships uh, that we're working on now, uh, a lot of changes potentially in membership that could be very exciting uh, on a national perspective in terms of what we can help to bring to student athletes. Uh, and really, I guess the last thing I would say is to kind of I guess bring things full circle with what you were talking about earlier. For me, uh, I've, I've always had a love uh, and passion for sports and athletics, and never set out to work uh, in this in this field. But always, you know, hoped or aspired that something like this may come to pass. Uh, but for me, it was just as you said, focusing on what you're learning, building good relationships, and uh, accepting things as they come and for what they are, and uh, just keep plowing ahead. Absolutely. Um, well, we, we appreciate it and uh, certainly looking forward to the next episode. Uh, hopefully, maybe, you know, maybe we'll get you on for episode 100. We could, there, we could look at that. There, there um, we go. There we, go. We, we didn't get you on for 50, but we could try for 100. I, I, I will take the centennial. <laughs> <laughs>